<laughs> Sink your teeth into 100% original programming. WebmasterRadio.fm And try our daily search cast. It's made fresh every day. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. Grab onto the wheel. Fasten your seatbelts. And step on the gas. WebmasterRadio.fm is going to take you on the ride of your life. You've just stepped off the curb into Rush Hour. Your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron, will take you on a fast-paced adventure through the high-tech metropolis known as social media, blogs, social networks, bookmarking, and more. Around every corner are the tools you'll need for marketing through the social web. Now, the light is green, but stay right where you are because you're in Rush Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is Wednesday, May the 9th. I'm Carolyn Shelby, and I'm here with Cameron Ultimus and Neil Patel. And you, you are listening to the 12th episode of Rush Hour. Hey, Neil, it's good to have you back. You weren't with us last week. Were you doing anything exciting, or were you just blowing us off? <laughs> uh, no, I just had a client meeting, so I couldn't make it. But I wish I would have stayed for Rush Hour. Just bad timing, so. Uh, well, we missed you. Um I heard you launched launched a new blog. Uh, Danny mentioned it today on the Daily Searchcast, and she blogged about it. What's um What's up with that? Oh, so I've pretty much been getting a lot of inquiries, and people ask me just about personal branding and how they can brand their name and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, might as well start a whole new blog on it because I couldn't really blog on that stuff on Pronet. You know, so PronetAdvertising.com is more of a social media blog. So instead of trying to modify that, I just decided to start a new blog called Quick Sprout. Well, it looks like it's going great. I, I know I commented on one of your blog posts already. Um, are you getting a lot of good feedback? Getting good feedback is gaining some traction. Um, you know, hopefully it grows a lot quicker. Trying to get to, you know, 1,000 RSS subscribers in 30 days. I think it's we're on day two and we're at 300 and something. So it's growing, and people are liking it. We've been getting good emails about it and good comments. So it's been going pretty well so far. You're only on day two and you've already got 300 subscribers? Yeah, it's not too bad, but hopefully I can get to 1,000, so that would be a pretty decent uh, month one goal. So That's what happens when you're a big rock star like Neil. <laughs> everybody wants to read your blog, and everybody blogs about it. <laughs> I think famous, it's just all the luck of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luck of the draw. <laughs> well, that's it's awesome. Neil's, a little bit to it, but yeah. Neil now, put a lot of hard work into branding himself and things like that, and it's it's paying off well, nice for him, so it's... You know, it's nice to see him, uh, you know, since he is my business partner and things like that, and I do kind of reap some of the benefits. It's nice to see, you know, him getting all the credit that he deserves for his hard work and stuff. So, Well, definitely the rising tide lifts all ships, right? <laughs> you know it. There you go. But on the other coin, it's more as in I also would never be where I am today if it also wasn't for people like Cameron and all the other people on the ACS team. Because uh, a lot of things that I do is networking and talking on the phone, and if I had to do a lot of the client work and stuff like that, I still do some, but if I had to do all the other work that a lot of these guys take on, I wouldn't have all that time to help brand myself. So I think it's more of a group effort than actually an individual effort. Oh, I feel the love. You guys are so yeah. cute. Yeah, we're going to have a little love fest on the show today. <laughs> and right. mutual admiration society. Yeah. Um, speaking of Pronet, though, I saw you guys also posted a beginner's guide to Netscape. Uh, yep, that was uh, Mohammed. So he's the other writer on Pronet, and he's a Netscape navigator. And he probably has the most experience when it comes to Netscape. So we're like, hey, write a guide on Netscape, and that's what he did. So it 
I think it turned out pretty well. Was there anything earth-shattering that came out of that post? Um, well, so I've been using Netscape for a while, so probably not for me. And But just in general, the great thing about the Beginner's Book Guide to Netscape is, or some of the things that most people don't know about Netscape is, Netscape is kind of like Reddit where the story has to work their way up to the top. So you only have 24 hours for the story to be on any of the major listing pages on Netscape. And the other thing about it is Netscape limits the amount of stories that reach the front page. So there's going to be, let's say, only X amount of text stories that can be on the front page at the same time or X amount of political stories. So in that way, they have a vi uh, wide variety of content. So you actually have to start analyzing you know, what's being submitted and what's going to be popular because if there's already 10 text stories in front of you, they're all not going to reach the front page. So even if yours gets tons of votes, you know, try to put it in another category that's very related to the story. So. Oh, wow, that is definitely good to know. Because um, I, I didn't actually get through the entire article because it was kind of long, and I'm very sorry about that. That was bad show prep on my part. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you wrote that in there. I'm just guessing I haven't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes three of us. I'm pretty sure he mentioned it. I feel much less bad about not reading the whole thing now that uh, you've confessed that you didn't either. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, you know what else I was going to ask you guys about? Um, MySpace buying Photo Bucket. Hey, Cameron, uh, did you have any? Do you have any inside dirt or information or things that we should know about that? Because I I just sort of saw the headline and that was about it. Um, no inside dirt, I guess. <clears throat> um, you know, I, the headline was that, or the news is that MySpace is buying Photo Bucket for, I think, roughly three hundred million. I think the the terms of the deal were two hundred fifty up front, and then there's like a fifty million dollar buyout. Um, earned buyout, um, but anyways, yeah, I guess they've been in talks for or like discussions for a few months now, and I don't know if you know, but actually, MySpace shut off Photo Bucket uh, like a month or so ago, where anybody that was like trying to post Photo bu Bucket pictures or anything on MySpace, it was all getting blocked. So there's a lot of rumors floating around that, like what the reasons were behind it. Were was MySpace just trying to flex their muscles and get any potential bidders out of the? out of the deal, or were they just trying to kind of see what kind of effect it would have if on PhotoBucket if, you know, if it wasn't for MySpace and all the traffic that, you know, is responsible because of all the people that use MySpace? Because, I mean, that's definitely a big part of PhotoBucket is all the people on MySpace that are using that to host their pictures and, and post their pictures on their profile. Well, what did they find when they shut them off? I mean, was were the users pissed? What, I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, there there was kind of like a it was actually a, a pretty big deal so a lot of the people got really pissed off and things like that i mean i don't really know like what came of it and exactly what myspace's intentions were i mean there's a couple rumors floating around or speculations i guess is more like it but yeah i mean it pissed off quite a few people because i think i read somewhere that 70 percent of the photos or something on myspace are hosted by photo bucket so i mean that's a lot of photos that are you know being blocked from the site and things like that and of course that's going to you know, agitate a lot of people and upset them. Now that um, MySpace has bought them, do you think, do you, do you, I don't even know how to phrase this question, <laughs> how, how do you think this is going to affect the service? Do you think that's going to change radically, or do you, do you foresee any big changes coming? Um, the only big changes I can see are just that it's just going to be a more positive uh, trend for PhotoBucket. I think, you know, it's going to maybe let a lot more of the people that don't know about PhotoBucket that use MySpace, maybe they're going to, you know, know about it now because I'm sure MySpace is going to be 
pitching that as like their exclusive, you know, photo service because the the photo service that MySpace had wasn't getting traction and things like that. So they obviously needed a, to make a play to, you know, keep other people from, I guess, piggybacking on their tor- territory and things like that. So the only outcome I can really see out of this is just a positive one that I just think it's going to bring more users into the photo bucket surface. And it's going to keep other potential advertisers from sneaking in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't see any I don't see any negatives or downsides to this deal at all. You know, I mean it's not like a, a big company is trying to take over control and things like that. Not like a Yahoo or a MySpace or a Yahoo or a Google. It's you know, people use Photobucket for their MySpace photos, so I mean it just kinda makes sense from a user's like a user's perspective and things like that. Cool. Um, another big purchase that I saw a headline about over on TechCrunch was that eBay is close to buying StumbleUpon now. Um, I know we talked, we mentioned it last week, but it was still kind of rumor. Um, did we? Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I've slept since then, so I completely don't remember what we said. Um, <laughs> what is going to be the effect on Stumble if eBay buys them? And I, you know, and personally, I, I mean, I've used eBay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I see how the two fit together. So maybe um, Neil or could either of you explain that to me? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Sorry, Neil, I'm kind of talking over you. No, again. go ahead, dude. <laughs> Our little show intro that Seashell forwarded me over today, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it, it was kind of funny. It had that whole little us talking about if we're talking over each other and stuff like that. <laughs> but, yeah. The traffic cop, Cameron, it's your turn. <laughs> Thanks. I like that much better. Okay. So, yeah, anyways, um, we did speak, we did uh, discuss this a few weeks ago when the rumors first came out, and then TechCrunch, or I think it was Wall Street Journal that broke the story again yesterday, and the terms of the deal, or actually the price of the deal has gone up. I think originally it was like 40 to $45 million, and now I think it's being speculated at $75 million. So I don't know if there was other p- potential bidders, like maybe Yahoo or Google were trying to buy them, so eBay had the re- to raise their price or whatnot. But anyways, the price has gone up. And I guess the only way I can see this being as a fit is if eBay is trying to make some kind of play in like a social shopping space. Other than that, I really don't see how it makes sense unless they're trying to get into social shopping or maybe just branch out into other areas altogether. I wonder if they want... I kind of wonder if they want the behavioral information, but I, I don't know. I can't even see that, that, being, that that's a huge factor. Yeah, I don't know if that would be a big enough factor to justify the price. I mean, you never know with, you know, some of these big companies. I mean, they have more money than God, and they can, you know, kind of throw that money around and do what they want. But, yeah, I mean, that really wouldn't make sense. So I see them as maybe using the technology to develop some kind of a social shopping or maybe incorporate social shopping into eBay, or just maybe they're just trying to branch out into other areas of the Internet aside from, you know, auctions and e-commerce. You know, I could kind of see a social shopping thing happening because if, you know, okay, and this is strictly from a girl's point of view here, I have certain friends that I know that they have similar tastes to me and I have certain friends that I know that if I go shopping with them, they're going to go, oh, this will look cute on you and I'll feel like throwing up. So I think it would be really useful if you could follow or at least track down what kinds of things your friends are looking at and maybe get, you know, find out who their favorite sellers are and and things like that, just so that you're saving time when you look for stuff because you know that because you trust Mary and Mary's got good taste, the sellers that Mary buys from or the the little areas of eBay that Mary visits are things that, you know, maybe you'd be interested in. So I, you know, I can can sort of see that happening. That's kind of cool. 
Right, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it could be used as like a, a discovery engine kind of for shopping too as well, you know. Hey, I like the stuff, the kind of shoes that Mary's buying. Let's see more of the type of stuff that she's into and, you know, let's stumble on, across more of her interests for things that she likes to buy or, you know, maybe the different styles that she's into or whatever. So I could definitely see that making sense. Yeah, that's that makes much more sense to me now. Um, a, another headline that I saw, and this is going to be for Neil, um, the Wall Street Journal did an article yesterday um, about how you're a nobody unless your name Googles well. And I was reading through that, and I'm like, oh, well, that's, like, so true, because I was personally mortified when I realized that I could Google my name, and there's this woman, I don't know why she thinks she's important, but she has the same name that I do, and she was outranking me for my own name. Um, you know, she's a screenwriter and stuff in Hollywood, and I don't know why that would make her more important than me. But it became my personal mission to outrank her for, for our name. Um, but you you actually sent me that link. Did you have any, any particular insight on that, Neil? I didn't even know I sent you that link. So what was the story again? So they're <laughs> saying that if you don't rank for your own name that you're a nobody? Yeah, that you're a nobody unless your name Googles well. Um it was it was interesting. There's a woman who, uh, it starts out talking about this woman that before she got married, I guess she wrote uh, research papers and things while she was in school, and anyone could easily Google her. You put in her name, and up pops all of her work. And then she got married and changed her last name, and now she's she's no one. There's, you know, 8 million Abigail Wilsons, and it's very hard to find her. Um so I was the one in. that sent you that, Seashell, so maybe I'll, I'll talk about it a little. I think the whole basis of the article is basically that nowadays a lot of uh, recruiters or, you know, when you go to apply for a job, a lot of the people that are responsible for hiring or what they're doing is they're Googling people's names to find out more information on them. So basically the whole article was that if you're not able to be found, that that's actually a negative against you and that hurts you. So. It's. I guess what it was saying is that you need to figure out a way to get good stuff about you, so that people, when they're, you know, people when these recruiters or the people in charge of hiring are out searching for your name and things like that, that they can, you know, come across relevant information that looks positive about you. I definitely agree that that's super important because, and well, one of the examples they cited in the article that you sent over, and I'm very sorry I got the two of you confused, but you're both em- or I am me. <laughs> in the morning before the the show, so I get I get them a little jumbled up. Um, apparently, uh, this woman that they started out talking about is uh, she and her husband just had their first baby, and when they were looking at names, one of the names that they rejected because they googled the names that they were considering was the name of a serial killer. Um, so I think it's I can definitely see where it's important to make sure that there's good information floating around Google about your name, if not, you know, you in particular. And that all kind of goes into online reputation management, too. I mean, you don't... I know it was a big thing at um, when I worked for a infomercial guy that shall remain nameless that anytime anyone did any searches for his name or our product, that it was all good stuff that came up, and it was a real high priority for us to make sure that we outranked um, any bad information, even if it was bad information from the government. One of the uh, the little feathers in my cap when I was there was that we finally managed to outrank the FTC. <laughs> the FTC's really, really bad report. Um, we, we managed to, to beat them for our, our company name, so that was a happy thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of it is reputation management, you know, making sure that not only that you're found, but that no negative stuff is up there as well. And, you know, this isn't really a new thing either. I mean, recruiters and, you know, hiring people have been doing this type of thing for years. 
And I know another thing that they're really big into is like checking people's MySpace profiles. And like, for example, like my little sister used to always like post like pictures over her partying and, you know, write stupid stuff on her MySpace page. And one day I just had to tell her, I'm like, listen, you know, this is look, this is going to reflect very badly on, on you when, you know, when you're done school here and you go to apply for jobs and work for people, they're going to come and look at this and, you know, that's going to affect their hiring decision if they, you know, see all the stuff that you're writing and all these pictures of you partying and things like that. And I mean, not only that, I mean, you know, she, I was like, you don't want mom and dad to be seeing this kind of thing either, you know, so just, you know, I kind of had to, you know, give her a little pep talk and get her to take that kind of stuff off. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it is reputation management. And I mean, fortunately for me, I have a very unique name, so I've never had to worry about, you know, not being found for my name or competing with other people and things like that. So I guess I'm one of the, the best ones when it comes to this kind of stuff. Well, it's That's one of those cases where it's definitely an advantage to be unique. Um, in terms of the MySpace stuff, we have story after story in the newspapers around here where these idiot kids post pictures of them doing illegal things on their MySpace accounts and then get really upset when the school administrators go troll in MySpace, pull down all the pictures on the timestamps and go, oh, hey, guess what? You're suspended. Oh, hey, guess what? You can't play basketball this season. And then the parents get all mad and there's lawsuits and it's just bad, bad news. So, ah. You can't believe that. I always get cut off when someone calls me on level, and I have no clue why during the show. But <laughs> yeah, so it, that would actually really suck. I don't know that people can actually suspend you when you're in school for stuff that you actually didn't do in school just because you had something on your MySpace profile. So actually, they can. They, they make the kids at the beginning of the school year sign some sort of agreement to, I forget what it is, it's some sort of code of standard of ethics or morals or something like that, and the kids sign their names to it, and the parents sign their names to it, and it's a binding contract. And it says, while you are during the school year, from the, the second the school year starts till the second the school year is out, if you do anything that, that gets the police involved or that, it, um, you know, is provable, that violates, you know, this list of 20 things we say you can't do, your ass is suspended if we catch you. And that, involve, that includes... Um, you know, if you're shoplifting, if you're smoking pot, if you're smoking cigarettes, if you're picking your nose when you're not supposed to be. I mean, they can put anything they want on that, and it's completely enforceable because it's been—it's actually been a really big deal in the media around around um, in the Chicago suburbs. Um, not so much this year, but I think it was a, a bigger deal last year. Um, and you know, we even had a—we had a situation where we had uh, some traditional hazing type stuff go on. And this is a couple years ago now, but. It was after school. It might have even been on a weekend. And I think the entire senior class got suspended. Um, more than half the senior class was told they couldn't graduate. It was just, it was super bad news. So the kids really need to be educated on what they, what is a good idea to put on your MySpace and what is a bad idea to put on your MySpace. But with that, I think we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to pay some bills. And then when we come back, we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about Hot or Not. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, talk to you in a second. Rush Hour will be speeding right back after these commercial messages. Hang on. It's all about links, baby. 
Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. Howdy, boys, and you girls, too. I'm here to talk to you about Milnick Media, the best CPA network, period. They sure know how to deliver, and I know something about deliverance. Now, you want to get paid? Damn right you do. We'll make sure you get your money. Media's got support people who know their ass from their elbow. Need a new jet ski? How about one of them new Fangle Plasma TVs? Well, Cousin Jeremy here will hook you up with our Performance Rewards Program. Email submits, zip submits, ringtones, hell, we got them all. Yeehaw! Hey there, it's Cousin Jeremy. Get on over to M-I-L-L-N-I-C-Media.com and we'll have you so happy, you'll be squealing like a pig. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on genienose.com. Install a search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, genienose.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our referral program. Genienose has delivered results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. I only find you attractive to me. How about you, dear? (laughs) And every once in a while, do I get hit on? Sure. And is it nice for me to get like... Every once in a while, you get hit on all the time. (laughs) Oh, whatever. I love you. But, and is it nice to get a little attention? Sure. But do I want someone else? Do I get turned on by someone else? Absolutely not. And I think that's the coolest thing for me, is nobody else turns my head but Darren. Like, I've been out there. I've sowed my wild oats. Yeah, she was a slut before she met me. (laughs) And now I just got someone who wants to be a housewife. How did I luck out with that? What's that all about? No, but I mean, it was like... (laughs) Here's a St. Brandy. You're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. But my love, my lover, my lady is the sea. It is nice to be celibate as long as you can do it with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on Webmaster Radio. FM. Get clicked, covered, and ringed on all week long on WebmasterRadio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Slam on your brakes. You've just reached your final destination. Rush Hour on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, back to your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron. Alrighty, um, you noticed on TechCrunch there was an article about how they're not tearing itself apart and reinventing. And from what I understand, about a month ago they went to a free model. Um, they removed the restriction where users had to have a premium account to be able to talk to each other. And they also um, made themselves a proper C-Corp. Um, so what, has there been any, any major, um, I don't know, 
reaction from the community about this, or is there anything new and exciting and earth-shattering that has happened as a result of this? Um, Neil, do you know anything about it? I don't know too much about it, but if they're going to take away the revenue model and just make it free, I'm assuming it's all ad-based now, correct? Uh, so. That's kind of what it's looking like. Yeah, and it totally makes sense with a service like Hot or Not. I think it's actually the best way because if you can not charge, because I'm, I'm going to guess that there probably wasn't too many people paying because it's like MySpace. Mm-hmm. Who would really want to pay to be on MySpace, right? Let everybody get on there for free. Let them generate tons and tons of page views, and boom, just you know, get more pages and jack up the ad revenues. So. It says that uh, traffic jumped 60% over last month alone. Um, advertising and virtual gift revenue spiked, and it says they're at the break-even point, even though they destroyed their, their biggest revenue stream. So Well, I think the reason why this is such a big story is because they actually, you know, they actually were doing really well as far as revenue goes, uh, the way it worked is um, when they were only charging guys for memberships, but the way it worked is when they would stumble upon uh, pictures of girls that they were rating that they thought were hot and they wanted to meet personally, they would have to pay $6 a month to sign up. And they were actually doing 600 a month in revenue. And, you know, I mean, I've actually, I actually know the owner. I've met him and, you know, hung out with him a couple of times up in, San, in the San Francisco area. And I think the... You know, with the story, also rumors that they, between the two founders, they made like twenty million or something, and you know, since they've started it in two thousand. So I think the big story is just the fact that they were tearing down like such a proven model and kind of reinventing themselves. But one of the reasons why they did it is just because I think that they were bored with the with running the site the way it was going and things like that, and so they kind of wanted to to you know reinvent it and freshen it up and try something new. But so far, um, from what I hear, it's been going really well. So, you know, I mean, hopefully they can replace, you know, their income stream or or even be better than that. Isn't that how a lot of these these sites are, are set up, though? You know, it's the girls don't pay and the guys only have to pay if they want to talk to a girl? Yeah, I think with, like, dating sites and things like that, that is a, the way a lot of them work. This was a little bit different than just a traditional dating site just because I think, like, the... The main attraction of the site was actually the rating the different members and maybe putting up pictures of yourself and getting them rated. And so it wasn't like the traditional dating type site in a sense, but there still was like a lot of that aspects and things like that. But yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. I think that's a, a lot of the way that these things work is they'll allow girls to sign up free profiles and things like that, and then just you know charge the guys. I mean, there's. I guess they're taking, like, a whole page out of, like, the nightclub model. I know a lot of nightclubs do that where they'll have, like, ladies' night or just, like, girls in for free, but they charge guys and things like that. And, you know, I mean, it seems to work. Guys want to pay for that ass. So. <laughs> well, okay, so if this ends up going really well for Hot or Not, do you think this is going this is going to become a trend with the dating sites? Um, it's It's hard to say. Just, you know, I mean, there's already a number of free dating sites out there that do really well. I mean... One that's gotten a lot of press over the last year is uh, plentyoffish.com, and that's a guy up in Canada that runs that. It's a solo shop, and, you know, he's doing a couple of million a year in just AdSense revenue. So I don't know if it's going to be a trend or not or what's going to happen, but, I mean, there already is people out there that are experimenting with it and things like that. So, I mean, only time will tell. 
that would be really interesting to kind of keep an eye on and follow up and see if anything, uh, you know, anything industry-wide starts happening. Right, yeah, I agree. I mean, it will be interesting to see. Who, who knows what will happen? I mean, that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch, and I think, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe some of the some of it will have to do with how successful this one is or, or not. But, you know, I mean, the free dating model, I mean, is definitely nothing new. So well, we'll see. And in terms of the, the, the dating models in general, I I kind of like the, the eHarmony model because I think people are more serious when they, they do have to pay. But, yeah, I think it's important to make people pay equally, but that's just probably my own little weird political, you know, I don't like to see preferential treatment based on anything. Um, and, you know, I, I worry a little bit about the quality of the dating that goes on on the free sites. I know my sister can tell you tons of horror stories because she uses one of them. Um, so I, I don't know. I find the whole thing interesting and fascinating. Um, but since this appears to be an awkward pause in the conversation, <laughs> it's an opportunity to ask Neil about what he's been doing with Delicious, because I know he's been playing with it. And I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but I would really love to hear what his thoughts are, and especially in terms of how to leverage it. So I've been playing around with Delicious as in the parts of adding friends because I know you can add quite a bit of friends. And the overall goal is to add as many friends, get them to friend you back, and hopefully those friends who friend you back, they see everything you pretty much bookmark. And if they start bookmarking it as well, then your chances of getting to the Delicious popular page goes up drastically. I personally, what ended up happening, so I've gotten to roughly 5,000 friends that I've friended, and Delicious lags really badly. I don't. I think they have some database problems, <laughs> or it could just be I have too many friends. So it's going really slow, such as Delicious sometimes takes four or five minutes for me to load. And um, I think so out of 5,000 friends, less than 100 have friended me back. So the ratio is very low, and it actually does not work to increase your friendship that way, and you can't actually leverage Delicious efficiently in that manner. So it's more as in really just trying to find great content and boom, pop it out there and try to get people to bookmark it. It could be, you know, messaging your friends through AM. Granted, you don't want to spam and just tell them all to, hey, bookmark it, but you can say, hey, if you like it, check it out. If you like it, feel free to bookmark it. If you don't, no worries, you know, so more of that friendly approach. Okay, so because I have major ADHD and I was looking at some other things while you were talking, let me just recap this to make sure I understand what's going on. The friend thing doesn't work on Delicious. I mean, it works, but it doesn't actually, like, help help. Nope, it doesn't. It's not like Dig, because the friends don't really care to reciprocate the effect like Dig. Because the whole thing with Dig is the friends voted on each other's stuff because they knew by doing cross-promotion, everybody would benefit by getting to the home page. It doesn't work like that with Delicious Popular because the friends aren't reciprocating. So... it's just, and, and, But that's a function of the friends just aren't reciprocating. It's not a function of if they were to reciprocate, it would work better. If they did reciprocate, it would work wonders, and pretty much anything you submit could probably make the popular page. But the problem is, is friends aren't in that fashion of doing that reciprocating or cross-promotion. And it could just be as they don't like to, which is fine, which is why it's much harder to leverage delicious compared to it is to leverage dig. Gotcha. So it's not an algorithmic issue. It's a it, it's it's a culture issue. Exactly. 
Got it. Okay. Well, that explains a lot. So, you know, it's not like if I have my little list of IM people and say, oh, everybody go bookmark this and tell all your friends that that'll work because I I know that the friends that I have that I mention it to are reliable and will bookmark it. Yeah. So your AIM friends will probably bookmark it because they're more reliable. They know you and they'll just do it blindly in most cases. The delicious friends, on the other hand, they don't really care to reciprocate and they don't really care to bookmark everything you bookmark. And Tim probably has more insight on this because I don't really use Delicious, but I believe people who use Delicious do it for like more of a personal thing to bookmark what they like. Or yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's definitely more of a personal thing. It's not like a social voting site. It's people are bookmarking stuff that they can reference at a later date. Maybe it's like a information a how to. Maybe it's a product they want to buy, a book they want to read, something like that. You know, it's. Like the, it's basically just like the reason why in the past before there was these browser-based bookmarks, why you would bookmark something like just right there in your Internet Explorer or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, from my experience, Neil, I agree with you the same thing that the adding the like the whole friend feature on Delicious definitely doesn't work to like help get your stories more popular or anything like that. I think it's better just to maybe if you know if you can't get popular on one of the other social sites like Digger, Dig or Netscape or something like that because that usually reciprocates down to delicious so if you're not able to do that you should just tap into your personal AIM network or you know email a bunch of your friends or something like that because the friend feature on the site really doesn't get anybody else to bookmark your content unless it's like highly relevant or useful to them i wonder if part of it is how the information is displayed to the users, and people just don't want to clutter up what they look at with useless stuff that they that doesn't actually have any personal meaning for them or personal value. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not really like a de- delicious isn't really like a discovery engine yet. I mean, I think it's kind of slowly moving more towards that. Like, I've been using it for like as a search engine for a lot of different searches and things like that over like the last year or so, and I noticed a few few other people are starting to move that way. But for the most part, I don't think that it's, you know, it's quite there where it's ready to be a discovery engine for people to find new stories or new places. And if it is, most of them use like the popular page. So, uh, you know, it's just it just doesn't work in the same way. And I think, you know, the, the whole friend feature and stuff like that from like a, a marketing angle isn't quite like it is on like a Digger and Netscape. Well, I have a question, um, speaking of DIG, about DIG. Um, I had read, and I I forget which blog I read it on, so I apologize to whomever was the author, um, and I learned how to figure out who's friended me, because I actually didn't realize P- <laughs> I didn't realize I could check that. Um, and I went and I said, I started, you know, adding in all these people as my friends, and it stopped me after a few and said, no, you've done too many. Come back again tomorrow. And I was like, okay, um, what's up with that? So... Is the thing with Dig that you can only add friends so fast? And how, I mean, other than having, does that, does that actually increase your influence? I'm sorry, this is such a basic question. Neil, Neil do you want to answer this one since you're the, the Dig guru? Sure. So on Dig, if you actually add more friends, it does influence your power and your reputation. And the more, it's not necessarily the more people you add as friends, but the more people that add you, the stronger your account's going to be such as, like, I don't know, something like a 1,000-plus people have added me as a friend, right? And I haven't friended anywhere near most of them back. And it's just all natural because I've had so many stories on the home page. And by that happening, if I submit anything that's a decent story, 
there's a good chance it makes the homepage just because so many people have friended me. So they see everything that I submit, and a lot of them just start voting on it. Whether they like it or not, they just click dig it or dug, you know, so. Oh, so I don't really need to go through and add all those people as my friend? You do if you want to get tons of people to friend you back. The reason how I got all mine was it's I've gone so many homepage stories just from submitting, so then once your stories hit the homepage, people just start friending you naturally. Why? It's because they see stories that you have on the homepage that you submitted, and they're like, hey, I like this story, and this is the submitter that submitted this story. You know, who knows? They may be submitting a lot of great stories like this. And because of that, they'll friend you, hoping that you submit more great stories, and they can just find them a lot easier that way. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because I, I went through, and I'm like, I'm like, well, why did all these people friend me? I don't know who these people are. Um <laughs> And I just, I, I'm just not familiar with the culture there. Um, and this is, I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about before with Delicious. The culture is, is completely different in both locations. So, um, so, okay, well, maybe I won't completely spend all my time trying to figure out why it's taking me so long to friend back all these people. I would be better off spending my time friending people who haven't friended me. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, that's definitely a good thing to know because I've been wasting a lot of time friending people that have already friended me. Um, yeah, so what ends up happening is a lot of the people that friend you, they, they hope that you friend them back and vote on their stories. If you don't friend them back, that's cool. Most of them will stay as your friend, but you'll get a few drop-offs, like maybe 5%, very small amount. So it's actually better if you spend your time friending new people because a lot of those people will friend you back, so then that way you increase how many people friend you. Unless everyone's lazy like me and just, you know, doesn't bother to go back and friend people that have friended them. Exactly. Okay, but that's not the culture. The culture says that if someone friends you, chances are they're going to friend you back. Yep. Okay. That's also very good to know. How does the, um, since we're talking about friending people, how does the friending thing factor in in the whole MySpace thing? I mean, is there is there a particular pattern or culture that is unique to, to that service? I don't know too much about MySpace friending other than you just friend as many people as you can and they friend you back. <laughs> and by doing that, hopefully your profile gets more popular and, you know, you can leverage it to, let's say, mass message them all through bulletins and stuff like that. It's kind of spamming, so it's not necessarily recommended. And that's the main thing. Usually MySpace, the most people who use that, it's if you actually know someone from high school or stuff like that, you friend them. If you don't really know them, you don't really friend them. What ends up happening is when you start friending tons of people, people just start placing comments on your MySpace profile saying, "Hey, I just released the ebook. Check this out." Or, "Hey, Merry Christmas. Check out my Christmas ebook or my new Christmas CD. Go buy it for nine dollars and stuff." And that's what happened to me because I have way too many friends that I don't know because they're not my real friends. I get tons of spam messages all the time, or people just saying, "Hey, check out my new album that I wrote or whatnot. Go buy it." Okay, so. There's there's that much spam going on. I don't know. I, I avoid MySpace like the plague, so yeah. There's I really a try there's not a to ton of spam look at it. I had the, the misfortune of having the whole MySpace drama a couple weeks ago, and it really just I try really hard not to look at it because I really don't want to actually know what's going on. Um, that's actually very good to know. I the whole culture thing between the different these different social services I find really in, interesting. Just how the culture of the of the users affects your strategy so very 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 much. Um, I think, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think a lot of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish on MySpace. Whether you're just like 
you know, a, a normal person just trying to set up an account for fun and maybe friend some of the people you already know, or if you're a brand trying to use it as like a marketing play. But I think a, I think a lot of it, like the, in general, I would say that it just helps to make friends that have relevant interests. You know, if you're uh, like a skateboard brand, it would make sense to go into the skateboarding groups or find people that are into skateboarding and friend them and not people that aren't into it. So I think a lot of it is just based on relevant interests and things like that. Okay. Excellent information. We're going to go ahead and take a break and uh, pay a couple bills, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple minutes. Rush Hour will be speeding right back after these commercial messages. Hang on. Have you heard that content is king? Yeah. What's that mean? I don't even have a clue. Hmm. Wonder if that's important. Important? Search engine optimized web content is essential. Essential for maximizing page rank. Essential for increasing sales. GetWebContent.com is the internet's foremost provider of custom written search engine optimized copy. GetWebContent.com is easy to access and ultra cost effective. Right now, copy is indeed king. And GetWebContent.com is the king of copy. Check it out today. Generating buzz for your company is essential and now easier than ever with Paper Post, the consumer-generated advertising network. Our powerful network of bloggers at Paper Post will creatively expose your product or service through original link-generated ads and embedding video or audio on their sites. Launch your viral marketing campaigns with confidence and enjoy increased traffic with higher conversion rates only through Paper Post. Visit PaperPost.com and join the revolution. Enjoying top payouts and unparalleled affiliate support is as easy as xy7.com. Just call 1-866-XY7-PAYS and see how it pays to join XY7 for increased conversions and higher revenue via the newest and hottest ad campaigns. Call 1-866-XY7-PAYS today or sign up at xy7.com and find out why thousands of other successful affiliate marketers already know. So don't wait. Call now 1-866-XY7-PAYS that's 1-866-XY7-PAYS XY7.com the only ad network you'll ever need to get paid XY7.com does everybody know what time it is let me introduce to you the web gorilla hi this is Greg Bozer and the very slick Oh man! The oil man here. And together they are the always highly ranked SEO rock stars. Who needs happy hour when you have the SEO rock stars? Now Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And for all you jammers and spammers that cut out early on Fridays, then catch the rock stars rewind at their original time, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Just reach your final destination, Rush Hour, Rush Hour. on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, now, back to your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron. 
All righty, we're back. Um, we actually had a very good question from the chat room. And by the way, if anyone's interested in participating live when we broadcast live, which, by the way, is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern, and since I'm in the central time zone, I always have to think about that when I say it, uh, you can go to webmasterradio.fm and look for the uh, desktop appliance and log into the chat room, and then you can talk to us because we're always in the chat room when we're on, on the show. Um, anyway, so... Liquid Marquee had, and I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, had a question. He wanted to know, if you wanted to start a social site of your own, what's the best way to do it? And Brent actually shared with us, and by the way, Brent was on last week's episode, and if you're interested in hearing that, go get the archive. Um, Brent suggested a Spanish site, and I'm going to spell it out because I can't pronounce these things at all. Um, It's M-E-N-A-M-E dot net. And I want to say that that was what Plig was built off of or based off of, but uh, he suggested that as a good uh, program to build your social site off of. And now I am going to turn it over to Neil to talk about how one would go about starting your own social site if that is what one is inclined to do. What you can use is you can use any software like Plig, and um, that Spanish site, from my understanding, was built on Plig, as you mentioned, Cecil. And what you would do is you would try to launch it, and it's pretty simple. The hardest part with launching any social site is what are you going to do that's unique? You have to figure out some sort of angle, such as that Spanish site was big for, you know, all of the Spanish people. So if you can create some sort of angle that no one else is targeting, you can be successful. And then once you create that, you've got to figure out, let's say, all the bloggers within that community and try to get them to spread the word. And by doing that, hopefully it takes off and becomes successful. That's the approach I would use, and it's more about the hardest part is just trying to find that niche. You don't want to try to just copy Dig or Netscape or Delicious or any of these sites because you're not going to beat them. They've been out there for a long time, and they already have a you know, big leeway of all the user base and all the traffic that they're getting. And more and more people flock to those social sites because they get tons of traffic. So with yours, you're going to have to figure out an angle. You're going to have to figure out how to get traffic to it to some way. It could be to through buying ads or banners or getting you know tons of bloggers to blog on it or paying bloggers to blog on it. Whatever it may be, you just need tons and tons of traffic. And think about Netscape. Netscape doesn't drive too much traffic compared to Dig, and they get 5 million uniques a month from my understanding. Wow. Um, I actually installed Plague over Christmas break, and I haven't done anything with it at all really in terms of promoting it, but I thought I had a really good, um, a really good market and angle on it. I was going to target it towards news um, for the university that I attended, and I was going to advertise it on the city guide that I run, which is for the community that the university that I attended is in. Um, But I never actually sent on a press release about it, and I haven't really been actively trying to drive traffic over to it because I've been real busy with everything else in the universe and don't have a lot of time to devote to it. But are those the kinds of angles that you're talking about? You know, maybe not. Is Is it better to not be so ambitious? and do something that's really broad? Is it better to have a very narrow focus? Um, and when, you, when we say narrow focus, how narrow of a focus is too narrow? That all really depends because, yeah, you do need a narrow focus. You don't want to be broad. You don't want to go too narrow because if you go too narrow, it's probably going to get zero traffic. You have to go narrow enough where there's a big enough audience for it, but not too narrow where no one's going to use it because there's only 10 people in the world who would potentially use something that's in that field, so it's hard to say. There really is no magic answer to that, but that Mexican site was pretty good because it's just dig for 
you know, all the Spanish-speaking people, and that's perfect because I don't know of any other site that's like that. So it's that's not too narrow. That's pretty broad, but it's narrow enough where it's not competing with Dig or any of the other social sites that at least I know of. Well, that's kind of like um, you know, straight out of marketing warfare. If you can't if you can't be number one, then you create a new segment of the category. If you can't if you can't dominate the category, then you make a new category and you dominate that. Exactly. Well, you can still make money as number two, so. <laughs> Well, but the diff- sometimes it depends on in what way you're number two. Um, I think that there's situations where the number two is just so far behind the number one. Yeah, you're making money, but you're making number you're you're making table scraps basically. If unless you can get in like a Coke Pepsi situation where you're both pretty much dominant, and then I mean, who's who's number three in that category? Yeah, no, no I I definitely agree with like a lot of what you're saying, and just kind of to add my two cents to this whole conversation about like how to start a social site and things like that, and then I'll shut up and let you guys finish. Um, a couple of things. Um, one is I would just make sure that, you know, that you have a reason for people to visit. Give somebody a good reason, whether that's good humor content, you know, um, a, a good place to meet friends with relevant interests, um, a place to find recipes, whatever it may be. You know, have have like a, you know, kind of like the social glue, so a topic of interest that's going to keep it all together. Um, another thing is I would make sure that there's things that you include in the software or the programming of the site that make it viral so people can invite their friends or easily link to their profile pages or any pages with the site. And then the other thing is I would leverage other social media sites. So let's say, for example, you want to start like a humor network. I would go out and I would leverage like Dig and Fark and things like that. I would post content on your new site and then you know, try and get that content popular on like a Dig or Delicious or a FARC or some kind of a relevant site and bring traffic to your site that way. And hopefully a lot of the people that come over from that are going to turn into users or, or you know, new visitors, things like that. But other than that, I'll be quiet and let you guys finish your conversation. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, we love having your input. Um, and I actually don't have anything else to add. Neil, did you have anything else to add? I did not. <laughs> Well, then it sounds like we've pretty much wrapped that one up. Um, Cameron actually just sent me a link to an interesting blog post about offline link baiting. Um, and, the, I mean, the first paragraph of the post says that, you know, everybody everybody in the universe is trying to spam Dig and Reddit and Netscape and that, well, according to this, it's the whole concept of using that as link building as, as sort of jump the shark. Um, so, I mean, if I... If I'm guessing at correctly at what offline link baiting is, um, that's just sort of regular regular old marketing, isn't it, Cameron? Um, yeah, but I think the the whole thing is that just because so many people, so many marketers, SEOs, whatever you want to call it, are trying to jump on the dig ship now, that it's become overwhelming with the amount of content, um, similar type content, spam content, things like that, that users are kind of becoming immune to it. And it's really a lot harder now to use it as like a link baiting tactic or anything than it has in the past. I mean, Neil and I were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, eventually Dig is going to get to the point where you can no longer rely on it as like a, a business model or a marketing model to, you know, use for link bait and things like that. So I, I know Neil is like, you know, I've said it before, he's the Dig guru, so he probably has a lot more to add to this just because he, you know, his finger is a lot more on the pulse than mine is. And I agree with Karen, and he pretty much has it right on, where it's you can't really rely on dig anymore. It's just becoming way too hard. Um, over this past week, we had this post on Pronet that was about this dating site, and it got reviewed. 
got 20 digs and something like that, but it got buried. So you would think that, hey, it got buried because people actually marked it as lame or spam or duplicate or whatnot. So there's actually this little hack that we have where we can actually see all the buried data. Dig hasn't closed it yet, and it probably still won't until we do the post on it. And it showed zero people buried our story, and we literally have every single you know, bury that happened within that day or two-day period or whatnot, and zero people buried it. So it's like you can't rely on it because you can't decide what content gets to the homepage. It seems that someone on there can control, hey, you know, story's going to get buried or whatnot. So you have to come up with new tactics, and that post that um, Brian Provost wrote on Scoreboard Media was a great example of it. So Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, I think the lesson that, that should be learned is that you can't re- – Social media is super, but it shouldn't be your entire marketing plan at all. I mean, you, there, there's so many other things that you, that you can be doing. I, I don't at all doubt that it should be a major factor, and you should definitely focus on it. But if you ignore everything else at some point, I mean, you just can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? Yeah, and just to add to that, um, if you are you doing, like, the social marketing Dig can't be, you know, you can't put all your eggs in the dig basket. You got to look out, outside of dig and the other social networks. You know, there's just for social news sites, there's Delicious, Netscape, StumbleUpon, Reddit, things like that. And then you can go even further to social networking sites like MySpace or YouTube or Last.fm or the million of other social networks that have popped up that are, you know, niched around certain topics and things like that. I mean, you really just have to look kind of past dig because there's a lot of other opportunities out there for for leveraging social media. But it seems like everybody, you know, at least in like our little industry, like the SEO world is kind of hung up just around the whole dig model. Well, I think, um, you know, it was a fad. Uh, Is it fair to call it a fad? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I... It has some negative connotations going on with it, but it, it does kind of sound like, you know... Maybe it's. I don't know. I don't know if it's a tipping point or if it's just people are moving on. It's not right, yeah. people moving on. It's just becoming hard to tool or not necessarily tool dig. I would say try to get good content on the home page. So it's digs always going to be, or I think digs going to be there for a long time. It's just going to even grow in popularity. It's just going to keep on getting harder and harder to try to get a story on the home page. Just like over the past five years, it's become harder and harder to get a website at the top of Google for a search term query. So I think it's the same way. It's Google's, you know, evolved over the past five years. Dig's going to evolve, and as they evolve, you know, next year it's probably going to be even harder to get on the homepage. So. That, that's good for, for you guys, though, because that means as it gets harder, you're going to get paid more, right? Not necessarily, because the value of getting on the homepage is X dollar amount, right? If Dig drives more traffic and links, yeah, it's, you know, it, it could go up in value. The problem is, is that you know, getting a story on the homepage of Dig, it's, it's really hard to charge for. You can't really charge for that because as long as if the site doesn't make the homepage, you can't really rely on getting on the homepage of Dig. It's not a marketing model. It's more as in, hey, how can I go out there and create buzz through all social media sites? And even if Dig gets harder, I don't even think it's necessarily going to drive up the price. It's actually going to – it could potentially drive down the price because it's a lot more riskier. So, Okay. Well – I think that's definitely all important stuff to factor in when you're when you're planning out your your marketing strategy. Um, on that note, though, we need to wrap it up because there's another show coming up. And before we go, I wanted to say it was nice talking to you guys and remind everybody that if you have not yet put your Mother's Day card in the mail, do so today. Mother's Day is Sunday, and I will see you guys next week.
Yep, see you, Seashell, and I appreciate that reminder because I completely forgot, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Um,